sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. Hey, everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we have our guests, uh, Laura first. Hi, it's Laura. And? And this is Neil. Back again. We're back. Everybody's favorites, especially Michael Morris. Michael loves us. Yep. He prefers you to himself. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone Michael Morris doesn't love. He's it's just true. a really universal, happy, happy guy. Exactly. No, no one more kind and generous than... And just generally altruistic than Michael. <laughs> wow, we started off talking shit. I wasn't talking shit. That you, oh, I, I can I'm never tell with you, Neil. No, I'm I'm I, I any anything to avoid confrontation. Come on. Yeah, I I know. I never you know when people are sincere, I never trust it. <laughs> You're probably wise to think that about me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this week, we're, well, we let you guys pick, and I, did you each pick one movie, or? I don't even remember kind of how joint this happened. I'll, <laughs> just, I'll do my weird, like, trying to recall how this came up again. I, I feel like we, I was talking to Laura, we were driving somewhere, maybe to get dinner or something, and, uh, gosh, I don't remember why Princess Mononoke came up. I think I had just rewatched it out of a, a weird, like, want to to see it again for some weird reason. I don't know. I don't remember. But I had watched it, and I was like, God, I would really like to talk about this movie on the podcast, but we need something to compare it to. And then we started tossing ideas around about something interesting that would be related, but a contrast. And uh, and then I br- and then I suggested this weirdo <laughs> movie, <laughs> Fantastic Planet. Which I've yeah. never heard of. Yeah, I keep calling it Forbidden Planet and then immediately being like, that is a wholly different, different thing. Yes, exactly. Well, Leslie so. Nielsen would have been nice in this. That's <laughs> 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 live action Leslie Nielsen wandering around. Oh my God. I'm and actually like, I have it playing on my laptop with the sound off right now and I'm watching the... Um, w- the like village elder with the squid on his head. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I I watched that one just finished watching it today too so it's a lot more vivid in my memory okay. although I like Princess Mononoke a lot more <laughs> yeah I like it I mean it's easier to watch there's like a, a story it's like the animation is just more modern this animation yeah. is very I don't know yeah it's very cut and paste kind of yeah yeah well easy. I before we start uh, we should say we got uh, we got uh, an email about you guys. Oh, is that and, right? And uh, somebody said they asked if actually it was from uh, one of our guests, Amy. Um, mm. She asked if you guys were a couple, and she's like, "Oh, they should be." <laughs> oh, God. I, I was like, "No, no, they're friends. They're both in uh, they're both in long term relationships, <laughs> yes, marriage." Yes, we, and... we are happily coupled separately from yeah. each other. But, but, Neil, but so Neil there is is awesome. There are uh, That's there funny. are shippers for you guys. Just so you know, shippers. What's that? Mean? Uh, people who want. It, like there were Pam and Jim shippers. People wanted them to be in relationships. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And and you can look oh. online. You can find the slash fiction written about you too. Yeah. Oh, God. 
written all by Pat and myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. In a separate erotic erotic friend fiction pancake podcast. <laughs> Maybe it's just Neil and Laura go to get a, a bagel. Yeah, can't that be the can't that be the fiction? Well, that's that's actually much more exciting than the fiction Pat and I wrote. <laughs> yes. Ours was Neil, just you guys. Neil and Laura walked down the street laughing about some dumb thing. I just yeah. had taking public transportation all over the place, not talking or looking at one another <laughs> yeah i had you guys um just sleeping in separate residences so pretty boring <laughs> but dreaming about sleeping in the other resident but but yeah. not together just no, sure. no. yeah yeah no i i'd like to have a sleepover with uh with old rick fort there that would be fun we could yeah. hang out absolutely you guys can fight over the covers for one <laughs> <laughs> i think that would be a, a very one-sided fight <laughs> Rick I feel like I just man. landed inside a Kathy comic strip. <laughs> Mondays. So, oh, wait, is that Garfield? So your life's going according to plan, I guess, Pat. Well, wow. I wait, also, before we go any further, I want to know what Neil's original choice for the... the oh, oh, to compare older. with Princess Mononoke. Well, I, yes. I, was, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't feel very strongly. I was thinking about other animated movies, which is where we ended up. But um, I... I felt like because Princess Mononoke had kind of a really um, – it had a lot to do with like traditional or like um, historical references to you know feudal Japan and like spiritual element or whatever uh, and warriors and whatnot. So I, I had also seen within the last year this animated movie called The Secret of, the Secret of Kells uh, about mm-hmm. the Irish monks right. and whatnot that – you know, made the illuminated manuscripts that preserved a lot of knowledge through the dark ages, the Middle Ages, and um, it was a indie movie. And you know, I have to say, it was really great. Um, I saw it uh, streaming on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, but I would, I would definitely recommend it. It would have been a good film to what compare era? to. Okay, what era? Well, it was made probably within the last two or three years or something like that, you know, recently. Oh, okay. Uh, and, but it depicts, uh, you know, it's a very stylized, very kind of, um, it has a really intensely, like, stylized graphic kind of quality to the animation. So it's really beautiful and really interesting and kind of, like, dark and challenging in some ways, but not super... Maybe not even as as adult oriented as Mononoke. It's hard to say. I, there was a bit of dark violence and a dark kind of tinge to it, but it's really just more like you were making the snoring noise for a reason because it's about like <laughs> you know uh, medieval culture. Let's say. I don't so, know how that got made. It's a it's a definitely an indie project, um, but yeah. it came out really well, and I would uh, I thought that would be a cool one. But um, I am also equally happy that we got to see something as strange as fantastic. I planet. just, I, I guess like maybe I'm not a good friend, but I love to make <gasps> people watch really weird stuff. I'm, I love I, to just take, I don't, I don't, I never want to go the easy route. I always want to be like, we could watch that or we could watch this crazy thing. <laughs> no, I, I like was, that. Yeah. I was way into it. Like it was, yeah, it was great. I mean, movie it wasn't just weird for weird sake. It was actually, I thought it was pretty good too. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Let's, well, let's get into it. So it was, Oh man. Uh, well, just we'll talk about the the art first, which is like you said to me, uh, Neil. It's very uh, Terry Gilliam, Monty Python type. Kind of, yeah. Art. It feels it's it that feels era camp, yeah. Yeah, because it's seventy three, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and they're just wandering through like Hieronymus Bosch backgrounds. 
That's a good, I think, I think uh, Bosch is uh, a good, a good reference also, just is. like the kind of like weird spindliness and the psychedelic costumes that they're all wearing and the weird creatures and stuff. I think that those are two really good, like if Bosch and Terry Gilliam illustration <laughs> had a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because like it feels way more like of a, a traditional European kind of drawing style than, than like Terry Gilliam's like animation feels more uh like weirdly like period based like um she's maybe like late 1800s early 1900s kind of like um oh it's all the cut etching. it's all that fine yeah, that collage, kind yeah of collage this from, is like, also i mean like whatever like engravings or something yeah and this is also cut paper animation i guess but uh but it's all hand drawn instead of you know that's interesting. i did not pick up on the cut paper part of it it felt like very, um, uh, like it, a lot of some of the animated sequences with like people running or doing a thing, like it opens right with this woman holding yeah. a baby running up a hill, and the like the natural kind of movements of like the you know these people like taking uh, steps and moving through the the, the weird landscape, like if it was like it's got this like rotoscopy kind of technique, which is where you you film somebody doing an action and then you trace over them as you're animating the cells, so you get a really natural, yeah, uh, fluid kind of movement. So there were some scenes where like nothing moves and it's really stiff and kind of <laughs> yes. funky, and then there are other scenes where people are doing things and it's like surprisingly fluid and kind of realistic. So it was like had that strange quality that um, mm -hmm. I forget why I started talking about that. <laughs> That's all right. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, you you made the point. Well, does somebody want to give a brief synopsis or try to? Fantastic Planet. Yeah. Yeah, I can do it if you want. Um, it's it's basically um, there are these like giant humanoid beings that live on this planet, um, and they are called Trogs. <laughs> T-R-A-A-G-S. And um, they hang out and basically, like, meditate all the time and are very, like, brain-oriented and um, wear lots of shirts with the breasts <laughs> cut out of them. <laughs> and then everybody has the breasts showing. Yes. Throughout which, the whole thing. Which is fine. Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then there's another group, another species of... of animal living on the same planet um called alms and those are the wild those are humans basically they're the wild humans and it's kind of about um the trogs and the alms um begin like living in opposition a little bit the alms are just kind of like wild and running around and then the trogs will like pick one up and decide oh because you will the trogs are like a giant enormous like yeah are like five stories tall or whatever. Exactly, exactly. And then um, they'll like pick up a little human and be like, you are my pet human. Or sorry, om. Um, you are my pet om. <laughs> um. and, um, and basically they hate on the oms and they try to wipe them out and everything and they're just like little pests to them. I feel like this has kind of a little, I mean, it's not the same um, story as Princess Mononoke, but it has this kind of like living in harmony vibe to it. Sure. Also, like this, um, you know, sharing is caring. Let's all learn to love one another and share. I remember the same that's resources. why you you had okay. suggested it because you were okay. like, oh, there's like this interesting theme to this thing that I saw. When did you last 
come across this? Was it oh, recently? I don't know. It was years ago. Yeah, okay. it was a okay. long time ago. But but essentially, um, the one, the main pet om, like the the star om of the of the film, um, starts learning all of the trog's knowledge through these um, through um, sitting in on the lessons of the trog that that is its master and it ends up bringing that knowledge to the alms and then the alms become literate and are able to um, fight their fight destruction. Back. Yeah. They're able to fight back. So. Well, when you say like living in harmony, the, the thing that I found kind of uh, strange about that was they didn't really live in harmony until the alms found out the Trog's weakness and could exploit it. So it's almost like, <laughs> well, yeah. well, that's well, I mean, almost like, like assured like mutual destruction. Society otherwise. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Like everything is like really peaceful and really like groovy for these Trog alien creatures who look kind of like demons. And then they're meditating and being super cool, except that they have these little humanoid pets or whatever. And they're like cruel to them, basically. I just, yeah, and there's no, I mean, essentially there's no reason that they need to be cruel to the alms. Like, they could just mm -hmm. ignore them and go about their business. It's not but they, that they're they really feel doing like anything. They're, they feel like they have no intelligence. That was like their main assumption. Oh, yeah. They couldn't communicate with them, and they thought they were just little savage beasts, and they, they had no capability to be self-aware or intelligent. So they would just treat them however they wanted, because yeah. they're bully little, jerks. Little animals, yeah, exactly. Just like we do with our pets. Exactly. <laughs> Who will soon rise up to destroy us. <laughs> I, I rarely uh, smash my dog to bits, I have to say. <laughs> or, well, or make them fight. I mean, like, there was, you know, some parallels, but then other things that are, were like, a very big leap. Very... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I only make my chickens fight. Yeah, yeah. Not your dogs and cats. No. Yeah, it was. I should uh, also mention that the movie is in French and was a French-made slash Czechoslovakian made <laughs> movie. <laughs> Killer pronunciation there. You know? I got it. I nailed that one. <laughs> um, and it was brought to the U.S. by Roger Corman, which is really interesting to me. Um, famous B movie producer director. We were just talking States. about that because I I had seen that but forgot how, what what Roger Corman did, like what was his deal. And I knew his name, but I was asking the other guys and they were like, oh yeah, B-movie guy. Yes, that's that's mostly it, B-movie guy. And and as I said, most of the major directors you know got their start with Roger Corman. At yeah, I mean, he's... From the 70s. Yeah, but by this point in time, he was a B-movie guy, so it really is weird that he, he brought this over. But is he like a B-movie producer or director guy who like had an artistic bent i mean if he's fostering like Absolute, all like absolutely. scorsese and all these people yes yeah okay and also yeah. very uh he could get a lot done with very little that was his thing ah, yeah. okay mm -hmm. interesting yeah so it wasn't like things the movie we uh we talked about <laughs> right they got almost nothing done with a lot of time and effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's effort there. Okay. All right. But yeah, this, this movie was, uh, well, there was, uh, I guess because it was French, there was a very matter of factness to the brutality in it. I felt like, yeah, it was strange. I mean, like it has a very slow and, and kind of non sensational, style to it everything Absolutely. is very flat and kind of placid even like scenes of like murder and brutal like conflict or whatever 
everything is real dreamy and really like slow and kind of even paced that's no matter great, what's happening. That's a great point. Yeah, and both uh, both movies, not uh, even though they're animated, not for kids, I would say. Both movies contain uh, drinking blood. Good point. <laughs> yes, true. Showering and bathing in, in streams of blood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like your I like your list of things that are similar. <laughs> Includes things like both include blood showers and weird mythological creatures that are kind of eating each other or battling each other, when yes. terrorizing humans and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This it was in this movie. It was odd that every once in a while there there'd be a change of scenes, and it would just be, be the change of scenes just showed one creature eating another creature, and it had nothing yeah. to do with the plot. Yes. Well, I think that that has some, I mean, it has something to do with the yeah. larger theme, but I agree. It would just be like, I actually um, was just rewatching the part where the two alms are like walking around. And then there was that weird, again, that kind of like weird, bubbly, squiddy creature in a cage that just like picks one of them oh, up and yeah. like shakes it to death. Yeah, that thing was really funny. I, I actually got a good laugh out of that one because it didn't, it, it did not seem to really be a heavy handed, like <laughs> see how everything is the same. Like it was like just this weird yeah. creature that was like grabbing little, little flying creatures out of the air, shaking them and throwing them on the ground. <laughs> it pulls back and there's just a big pile of corpses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was all to show that this was indeed a fantastic planet. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause they, in the movie, which isn't French, the, 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 the subtitles come up and they're talking about the savage planet, or mm-hmm. right? The savage it's planet like, was like it's where wild, they... It's like wild planet. But the, that's not where they are. The, the, at the end, they talk about there's a satellite moon or something where, they, where the humans want to get to, which right. is called the savage planet. And then they think they can like have their own society there and they want to get uh, to escape to it. Uh, yes. Okay. And that this planet is called... Is it called Terre? I don't know. Yes. What, some some word for it sounds like Earth. Yeah. And then. Um, oh wait, wasn't Terre the the main guy's name? Or oh wait, yes, it was maybe the young girl's name who had. Oh, okay. Yeah, who named the the main ohm after herself? Oh okay. okay. Right. Yeah, it's it got a little yeah the naming is a little confusing because it's all in French but, um but what I, the thing I was going to say is that the French name of the movie is Planet Planet Sauvage or whatever. And the English title is Fantastic Planet as opposed to Savage Planet. And I wondered if that was marketing or if that was trying to be faithful in a different way to the channel. I don't know. I don't think it's being faithful in any way because I'm <laughs> almost 100% positive Fantastic is Fantastique in, in French. Ah, uh, so. yeah, they could have just – right, I see. <laughs> I think it's – I mean, they do that all the time though. I mean, Princess Mononoke, I guess, had a yeah. different had a different type of idea yes. – like, Mononoke is not a name, apparently. Right. It means just like spirit or... Spirit, like monster. warrior or something. Yeah, yes, something I had like read that, that too. So. Right, um, right. Well, because her name was Sun in the thing, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, she's not so, really a princess uh, or in, 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 that, in the way that a Western audience would think of a princess. And she, it was just more like warrior princess or something. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think that they do that all the time. They're just like, what, like... Who would this appeal to? Mm-hmm. It would appeal to like who would you know Fantastic Planet appeal to? It would appeal to like some weirdo stoner art house crowd in the seventies, and then they probably were like Fantastic, like they <laughs> they wanted to emphasize that. And if they just called it, you know, yeah, yeah, Savage weird, Planet, 
Yeah, Savage yeah, Planet Savage is Planet. a whole different audience. I, I, yeah, it's not a good movie to watch high, Savage Planet. <laughs> Fantastic Planet. Yeah, because yeah, meth wasn't around yet. It's <laughs> right. good to watch high on meth. <laughs> well, Laura had, had uh, sent to me the trailer when we were talking about whether to watch it, and it was a very funny trailer with a lot of funny... Um, uh, blurbs or like endorsements from different critiques or whatever. And uh, what was the New York Times Times one, Laura? It just said, "I recommend it." Period. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's like this is not a rave review. I feel like no. it was a French. It, it must have been a person who had English as a second language yeah. who even compiled these in the first place. Right. Like I'm just like, it was after a series of glowing reviews, and then it was just like, I recommend it. <laughs> It but reminded the, like, me of um, that that old SNL skit where they interview the man on the street after that hypnotist, and it's after they see that hypnotist on Broadway, and it's like it was much better than Cats. I want to see it again and again, and then everybody keeps just saying, "I I don't know." I just describe that tone to it because I never saw that one. That's oh, it's funny. It's pretty funny. Maybe that was the New York Times getting in early on uh, the bots reviewing things. <laughs> The bots. Is that a thing? Yeah, review bots. Well, hmm. I've read, I, maybe that's more a blogger thing if you read like some. Uh, than a New York Times yeah, thing. Possibly. But, <laughs> but that's, the, that's the way the, the culture is record. I know. They had an entire building that was just one robot that like spit out a piece of review on a piece of paper and it just yes. said, that said things like, I recommend humans see this film. <laughs> Stay away. A stinker. Jeers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that was the TV guide review bot. <laughs> Lots of puns. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a. Uh, well, I don't know about the version you watched, Pat, the, but the version I, I think the the other three of us watched. Um, I just liked that it was dubbed and uh, subtitled, and the and the speech did not match the subtitles at all okay wait so we should talk about this too i gave you guys uh, a, a file that i downloaded of the movie okay send me to jail but i the one that i sent you guys was smaller like a quicker to download uh file and mm -hmm. i checked it just to make sure it worked and i did notice that it was both dubbed into english and subtitled and the one that i had originally downloaded from like some higher res or higher definition version of the film it was all in just French with an English subtitle. So I did not maybe watch the same exact. I actually didn't this. watch this one either. I just okay. had it as like a backup because I originally rented one. And yes, again, okay. it was, it was, I think the one I watched originally was just in English. So we uh, all watched it uh, in a different way. We may <laughs> yeah, have watched completely different I, movies. And <laughs> maybe Mononoke as well. I don't know. We'll see. I got it from Netflix and I had uh, English subtitles and French speaking. Okay, so we probably watched the same one. Well, I thought the uh, the subtitles and the dubbing uh, added a lot to my understanding of it, just going between the two. As a translation, yeah. Translations, yeah. <laughs> Who'd they get Could to do like... voices? Anybody? I think Roger Corman did all the voices. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, yeah. I wonder if the, in the English version was it was there anyone cast that was recognizable or not to my ears? Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was uh, it was very enjoyable. No, it was it was a crazy movie. I kept watching it in the morning when I wouldn't be sleepy because <laughs> it this is the kind of movie that I would immediately fall asleep watching just because yeah, it's I... very quiet and in a foreign language. I fell asleep. 
I have to say the first, even though it was my recommendation, the first time I watched it, I fell asleep halfway through. And then I woke up at the end for my favorite part when, uh, I, I just want to talk briefly about all of the the trogs and how they like get their jollies by meditating. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when they meditate, it just basically they they illustrate that by having like a picture of that uh, of that trog like floating away in a bubble and they just show that throughout the film and yep. then at the end you find <laughs> out they that the bubbles are all going somewhere and they're all going to these like flats these like yes. dry flats where they then hook up with other opposite sex bubble like meditation <laughs> bubbles well there's then, like these like, giant statues that yeah. have a head and then uh-huh. the bubble lands on the the neck where there's no head and then yeah. they become animated and then they do this like freaky like dance waltz or something yeah which i guess dance. is like mm-hmm. yeah which is which is like that's how they reproduce so i guess the dance was a metaphor mm-hmm. for you know Doing but i thought they were the saying that, <laughs> that the pe- it was people from not necessarily from that planet oh, it was from, from different galaxies the- yeah. yeah yeah oh really yeah mm. oh okay so it was everybody. And then the, you know, and then the humans like blow up the statues and it makes everyone go bananas. <laughs> everyone yeah, they, just like goes insane because they show their up with their weird like... little cock rockets and shoot a laser beam at them and then they blow up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I was into that. <laughs> yeah, no. It was it was very uh it was very creative the whole thing. Um, yeah. It also made me think of um, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, if oh, you guys watched that. I love like that, that movie. Yeah. Th- Again, Gilliam. That, yeah, there's that one part where they're on the planet with Robin Williams and then the other lady oh, 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 oh. and like their heads can their fly heads around fly separately around. from their bodies. And when Good Robin point. Williams doesn't have his head, he's just like a lecherous, gross, <laughs> <laughs> aggressive body that's right. just going around trying to hump everything. So just like Robin Williams in real life. <laughs> hey, I just watched Mrs. Doubtfire too. You're you're giving me shivers here. Do you, do you do another podcast? Because that could be the only reason you'd watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. Why Actually, did you watch Mrs. Doubtfire? I was watching it. I was Neil. I watched it on your TV when I was what? watching Dog last weekend. Oh my god. Neil had family in town, and so I was dog sitting for him. And he has cable, which oh I my don't. Gosh. You're so right. I, it, when I came back to the apartment, I turned on the TV and Mrs. Doubtfire was on. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, you you get MDTV then? That's cool. <laughs> no, it was just in repeat on this whatever cable station was showing. It was it. like a Mrs. Doubtfire marathon. It was. <laughs> That's so weird. It was like a Christmas story on. Yeah, it was TBS. like na- National Cross Dressing Maids Day. <laughs> oh God, that's hilarious. That's too, yeah. well. Speaking of that, that was another. Uh, Viv actually suggested, uh, Pat, you and I start our own podcast network, and then we get we have uh, Neil and Laura have their own podcast. And, uh, <laughs> Michael, actually, Michael Moore should just stay on our podcast. He doesn't need he doesn't need the ego well, your, boost. Your your, weight, your ratings would drop dramatically if you didn't have him on, though. I know exactly. We we need him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it would be like a, an earwolf network that uh, nobody would listen to. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone at your work would. It would have all kinds of. But we might we'll be splitting our our ten listeners into t- even smaller camps. Which no would... work would just never get done. Everyone would just be listening to different <laughs> podcasts all day long. <laughs> yeah, we well, get our, our we... rich boss to bankroll it maybe in uh, <laughs> ah. ad space. Okay, we Fair. could call it um, Mouth Bear. What? <laughs> Instead of Earwolf, I get it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> 
took me a while there. All right, mouth That's bear. We, we got it on the back burner, Pat. <laughs> but this, uh, back to the movie, it was, uh, there was a lot of violence in it. Yeah, a lot of smashing and just like giant humanoid bat-eared people just like flicking little people, <laughs> flicking little humans around. And, and, then, and oh, then later yeah. there was the Amal and Trog violence. Oh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. It was like, like some Gulliver's Travels. Okay, but the weirdest thing. fight in the movie was not between <laughs> the Trogs and the Oms or whatever, but it was between the two. Like, everyone seemed to have a like a societal thing where they're like, you must fight now. And so the, the human Oms that are kind of like living their little caveman existence or whatever were like, they had this thing where they made the, the main character fight one of their dudes like to see who was going to be right and they strap this weird little dragon creature to their chest and they tie their arms behind them (laughs) and then they have to like run around like while these little alligator dinosaur creatures try to bite each other but they're not (laughs) fighting each other but they are but they're it's it was the weirdest thing that really entranced me because it was so wait what part of the movie was this that's it's when um the okay who's the main uh the protagonist um, um who was, who escaped yeah that's Tara. okay that's so Tara, Tara who escapes the, yeah from the trogs he gets he tries to find the the um society and, and get integrated into them and oh, like help and he has hey, to I'm like smart. prove himself and he was like they're gonna kill us all and they're like no fuck you you're trying to get us to like I don't know like you're trying to trap us you're a spy yeah. And he so to either like to prove himself or to like pay some kind of penalty, they made him fight this other dude in their tribe, and they strapped those weird little creatures to each to each of them, and they're like fight, 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 <laughs> and they it was the weirdest method of settling an argument I've ever seen. I love. <laughs> I can't wait for the sequel where we see how those weird little dragon creatures get their freedom from the arms. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh man, so many layers like an onion. I I just wonder if there was some kind of uh, anti-hippie sentiment to this because you would think that a society that spends 70% of its time meditating would not be nearly this violent. Hmm. <laughs> Do you mean like trying to say like, okay, I see, yeah, undercutting like the hippie thing. Yeah, yeah. I just, assu- I just assume every message in the movie is somehow anti-communist because it's from Czechoslovakia. Oh, interesting. And I have no idea how. But also, mm. also French. So maybe, maybe it was you know, it was uh, the uh, synthesis of the two ideas. You know, they couldn't get it together. Pro communist, anti communist. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. There wasn't really a lot of like we have to do what's good for the collective or whatever. It was more like we think we're doing what's right, but in actuality, we're being brutal assholes. Yeah, yeah. Well, because there was even. Uh, there was even om on om violence. Like there was the the alms that lived in the tree. Right. right. That would it was steal. more like it, it, if there was a theme, it was like oh, knowledge and like education and you know writing and literacy will help set everyone free. Right. So like, do you guys feel like what happened to the alms, the human you know type yeah. characters, was generally positive at the end of the movie? Like they made a good, you know. Uh, there well, was a good they, result for them. They were better off than they were before. That's true. Yeah, yeah. and they right. escaped. They escaped the annihilation too. 
Did it say that they were like now coexisting in peace? I forget. I think that that was the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it was it was an uneasy peace because it was just well, because of the threat of violence from both sides that they were. Yeah, that's but that's true. that's, that's like our whole like international policy right now. Anyway, mm-hmm. is exactly the same as that. So yeah, no, no. I mean, it was very realistic <laughs> geopolitically. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Yeah, you could have like the 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 arms standing in for like what you would consider like a savage human culture, maybe or something that couldn't, you know, like uh, Kentucky fight on <laughs> on par with like with a first world nation or something. Like like we're like the Vietnamese, like the you know the North Vietnamese or something like that ended up conquering their. Oh, true. Know, this oppressors. was during the Vietnam yeah. War too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. I didn't read anything about it, so <laughs> no, we're not very smart. So that's as I didn't even I... watch the movie, so I I really don't know. Well, I I, yeah, all I, the pictures of the box. I do think the uh, the idea of uh, education uh, allowing you to you know overcome your oppression was was definitely there, yeah. and uh, and maybe uh, Texas should watch this movie just as yeah, a whole Texas. state. Uh, or get in line <laughs> but it was it was much darker than i thought it was going to be really i well i didn't know what to think i just thought animated like sci-fi movie from the 70s um i thought it just was kind of goofy darker than that because like anything that has like weird devil creatures with no tops on uh uh and you know in French, but came from Czechoslovakia. I was like, this is going to get really horrific. <laughs> and I was thankful that it didn't get too crazy. Yeah, I mean, I would expect it if it was Russian, maybe, to be more. Uh, yeah. But uh, I actually didn't know the Czechoslovakian uh, part of it, so I thought it was just straight French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt very French. It, it did. did. It really For does. sure. Well, I just um, looked at the last part of the movie again quickly because um, I wanted a refresher there. And it just said that um, now that the Trogs and the Oms are working together, the Oms lend the Trogs uh, a dynamic vitality in their thought process. So, <sighs> Okay. So they both, they're mutually benefiting. Yeah. Mostly I think the Oms are still, I mean, the, just the way that was phrased though with the with the Trogs as the subject, I believe that maybe they're still going to be the top dogs <laughs> and that the arms are just benefiting in that they are no longer enslaved in, in immediate, immediate danger of being exterminated by like weird, um, uh, Mentos that get shot out of a little multi cannon <laughs> thing. <laughs> the way that the, that the, the alien race, the giants subjugate and try to exterminate the little humans, the arms, like there were so many hilarious, like, contraptions and methods yeah. that were basically like gassing them. Yeah, they or, just gas yeah. them all the time and like different... Or like shooting like, them with a spotlight that terminates them or whatever. But like very, very like in- cool, but, or not cool, very ap- appropriate because they're like very, um, you know, uh, uh, evolved or whatever. And they're, it's very neat and tidy. There's not a lot. But then there is a scene where they're just like running around stomping on them. So I guess I'm <laughs> taking that back now. So it was based on a novel called Arms Linked Together, and the translation was Fantastic Planet. So I guess that's they they already knew what they were going to call Fantastic Planet. So was the original novel written in what language? 57 in French. Okay, so it's a French novel. 57? Oh, wow. So I guess it wasn't a Vietnam War commentary, unless they like kind of added that bit Mm, for the time. I don't know. But, uh, well, I guess the French were in Vietnam. They were. So, 
but anyway, I, I thought um, the, the one thing that bothered me about it, which bothers me with all sci-fi, was um, some of the jargon where they're just making up words. Oh, yeah. I, I, it made me think a little bit about um, A Clockwork Orange when hmm. they're just like where, where a lot of the words are just like a little bit off yeah, from yeah, yeah. English or like they're, they're related to other languages that we'd be familiar with. But there were long passages, like where like five minutes would go by, where like the the human character is like learning a lesson about the history of <laughs> it's all nonsense. the trog, yes. and it's just like this like really well rent like well written gibberish that's just like <laughs> wait am I am I not getting this? And then you're like no no okay it's intentionally gibberish. Wait no maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I yeah. should have been understanding this, and because it's delivered super straight faced, but. The fact that it comes from a novel makes a lot of sense because then you you'd have like all of that Running ri- text, written material yeah. to draw on. Yeah. I just assumed all that jargon was French words that couldn't be translated, so I got That's, beyond it. Yeah, that w- there was that you know <laughs> guesswork to be done too. Yeah, and I just assumed that I didn't understand it because I'm a stupid arm. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. It's read funny it, right? how all you guys identify with the arms. I have I identify with the trogs. Really. I did no. to some degree because, <laughs> no. uh, well, in the way that like you might treat like a, a you know what you consider a dumb animal or something like was well, that early in the scene, movie. Yeah. The opening scene was very what a kid would do with an ant. Yes, yeah. where they're blocking the woman's. Well, you you don't kill it and take the baby, but you <laughs> block the ant's way, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's there was definitely like the beginning fifteen twenty minutes was very like oh you identify with the alien creatures because they're the most human-like and then it shifts yeah yeah uh (laughs) one last thing i i thought uh it was like there were you were saying the long passages of the uh the lessons that were kind of slow going and then i I didn't i didn't necessarily find the the movie slow but it was a lot of uh build up and then at the very end it seemed like the resolution was just like snap it's over done Oh, well, they wow. did it all so, in like a voiceover. They just said yeah. like, yeah. like in the last one minute, they were basically like, and they all made peace. Totally. Because... They didn't have time to film anymore. So. <laughs> well, exactly. Like it's so expensive and so much time consuming work to do stop motion animation that there were some really funny, like it wasn't just the end, although that was like the most noticeable, but there were like, you know, they would spend like a ton of animated energy on like one little sequence of like one person doing some stupid thing and then they would skip over like huge like you know plot <laughs> huge plot sections. points and just be like and, and then, then everyone died and then yeah. the next- <laughs> so it, from the yeah there it 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 definitely suffered from uh some very strange decisions about what to spend time on and what not to like show at all yeah. but um it did feel like a, a well thought out movie besides that you know that problem yeah but yeah. there is something in the movie it was the the um the terrorist said that one week of our lives is a like a decade oh, yeah. of the and i thought that was going to become important but it really never really made any difference yeah the emperor feel- was still i thought like the emperor was going to become real old he was still the same age it well no no it was yeah. backwards it was a uh, one week for the trogs was like a year in the ohms life oh okay well yeah that does make sense Which, yeah i thought just like they, dog years <laughs> yeah, I thought they only mentioned because to bring up like they did the the uh, periodic purges 
of the yeah. ohms, which was once every, you know, every two cycles or whatever. So yeah. um, that was a long time for the ohms, but but not that long necessarily for the tracks. Yeah. And they made a, a lot of points about talking about how quickly the, the terrible ohms reproduce. A lot of points about it, yeah. Yeah, well, they don't have to, like, get into a bubble and fly away in order to do it. So that's so wait, a so lot of time at, out. At the end of the movie, when the Alms destroyed all those statues, did they make it so the Trogs couldn't reproduce? So they might be living in harmony now, but once those Trogs die off, they're done. No, I think they just were showing that they could fight back. Like, they could okay. hit, them, they didn't... hit them where it hurt. Yeah, yeah I don't they think they destroyed all the statues. Oh, okay. Someone yeah, and I, I just read that it just drove lots of... And any any trogs or any other being that was floating out, it just made them insane. That's all. Oh, did it show them, like, yeah, their eyeballs, like, change or whatever? When they... Yeah, and they're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I quote. <laughs> and ah! <laughs> I felt bad that... Tara's former owner just kind of disappeared and wasn't in the movie anymore. That's once right. Left. No, no resolution to that. Well, she probably story. was going off the prom and. <laughs> okay, Trog, but Trog prom. So one of one of my favorite, uh, like little weird alien creatures that you know never gets named or discussed is the uh, the little like hive of. Um, I don't know what you would even describe them as, like little little round balls with like little like mouthfuls of fabric and then they like circle around you and like weave you clothes. <laughs> do you remember seeing do. that scene where he like, they, they created his like non stupid outfit. <laughs> yeah. That was really funny. And I, I kind of enjoyed that. I idea. like, I liked that, but I also really liked the stupid outfits. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. They were really good. And they it was, were super it was French. Again, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to dogs, but like, it's just like when yes. people have just like little fluffy hats on their chihuahua sure. and stuff yeah. like that, it was like that times a million. Like one of the hats was literally like someone had taken cotton candy and just set it on top of his head. Yeah. And like it totally, it felt like, um, you know, a commentary or a parallel to mm -hmm. the way we treat pets, but also it super looked like Hieronymus Bosch, like paintings and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Really crazy medieval shit. All right. Um, Did that sound smart? I hope so. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> medieval shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you could uh, lecture at Columbia. I, I will take any offers. Crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy medieval shit 101. <laughs> 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 as long as I can rely on Wikipedia, <laughs> yeah. Columbia will be just fine for me. I think it should just be a whole PowerPoint presentation every lecture of just like, and this crazy medieval shit. Did you guys look at this crazy medieval shit? <laughs> I think they're saying something about pets or something. Yeah, next slide. <laughs> anyway, you all graduate. <laughs> <laughs> With honors. Yeah. <laughs> Show a so, bunch of paintings uh, of torture and battles with no perspective or anything yeah um all right should we take a break before we go on to mononoke sure that sounds good let's do it we had a comrade a brave comrade he could talk for whole days but then he tried to be a hero Try talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. Oh. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing, the Reformation, transubstantiation. 
And we're back. And uh, listeners, you missed you missed the best part of the whole conversation uh, while we were on break. But yes. we'll not go into it because we're going to talk about Princess Mononoke. But we might talk about Smurfette later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ties in. Uh, inside joke. I'm sure everyone's just annoyed. Oh, they've been annoyed they at be. us. But we, you, well, you haven't heard our last episode yet because we haven't put it up. But uh, it was a bunch of me and Pat looking at Billy D. Williams on Wikipedia. So, but. <laughs> That makes for great yeah. listening. Yeah. Yeah. Great radio, yeah. Um, Princess Mononoke. I saw this in the theater. Oh, um, yeah. Back when it came out, because I had gotten into I'd gotten into Studio Ghibli stuff through... Uh, uh, Viv was into uh, My Neighbor Totoro when that came out, which is more of a kid's movie. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, this and Spirited Away and, and all the mm-hmm. Howl's Moving Castle, all the later yeah, stuff. Those are... Those are kind of my favorites, um, but I I thought uh, Princess Mononoke was a close third there. I really liked it. Oh yeah, I I had seen. I feel like Mononoke was the first movie that I had seen of Miyazaki's um, when it came around the time it came out. I did not see it in the theater, but I was I was definitely aware of it um, being promoted, and then I think I saw it immediately when it came out on video. Um, but I I had been aware of like. Uh, one of Miyazaki's projects or something, and maybe it's not his, or uh, gosh, I don't know, the Nausicaa Valley of the Wind Yeah, thing? that's him, or at least it's the studio, I can't remember. Right, yeah. well, I remember seeing a comic book, uh, you know, when I was, like, younger, like, in, high, in my high school days, like, buying, just, like, just trying to figure shit out. Like, I saw Akira, and I'm like, oh, this is a crazy thing that was really fascinating and wild, and I want to find out more, you know, Japanese animated things and comics and stuff and like some, yeah. a lot of people were talking about Nausicaa and then I read one issue and I'm like I don't know what the fuck is going on here this is super weird uh, but it looks cool and then many years went by and then Princess Mononoke came out distributed by Miramax in like this really big way to the American public and that was like oh I should check this out cool Pat? This is the first Studio Ghibli movie I've watched. Really? After yeah. years and years of people telling me I should and should, and I just never got around to it. So thanks. What, what did you think? I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Did it? Was it surprising or did, like different than what you were expecting? It was a lot more I'm violent sorry. than I expected. I yeah. Didn't, I it's didn't a very expect heads adult. to be cut off and yeah. arms to be cut off and. So yeah. the violence yeah. itself wasn't surprising, but how brutal the violence was depicted. Or how was sudden it happened. Surprising. I just absolutely yeah. love the way violent uh, action is treated in this movie, in that it is shocking and surprising in the way that things happen in life, where you're like, no, 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 that should not happen. And you feel this horror. And that's what all the violent things that happened in the movie felt like here. Like it didn't seem cartoonish or um, like something to be enjoyed. It felt like something that is like, uh, like that jolts you out of your normal mm-hmm. mode, and and that I really loved how they used it as a tool. Yeah. I was a little surprised by not disappointed or anything, just surprised by how Western a lot of the the action scenes were. Like there was lots of chase mm. scenes that were very just cinematic. Know, yeah, st- stuff you'd expect to see, and I didn't expect that. Well, that was, that's an interesting comment. I mean, I think overall. Though the movie to me, well, I think like 
I don't know. I think like the Japanese brain is like a bizarro version of the American brain because like plot wise, it was all these movies, all the Studio Ghibli movies in a way, like just go places I don't expect at all. Sure. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also, I mean, I agree with you that there's, I mean, they're human, but it's a different society. And, and so there's going to be like different thought processes and different, you know, background inspiration and stuff like that. But I think even above and beyond that, they're like on some creative tip. Yeah, no, for sure. Because it's like there are genre movies and then there are like, you know, higher Mm -hmm. aspiration type movies. And it feels like a more of um, an elevated kind of style, even though it... It, I yeah I I am super not an expert at all in anime or manga or anything like that but I'm a little bit familiar with some of that stuff to know that there are different kinds of uh you know projects that that are that have different goals and this is clearly one that has a very lofty goal and a and a, and a high aesthetic and all that stuff mm-hmm. and so it's it's not descending into like just crazy exploitative, you know, action or whatever. Is this considered anime? This is anime. Anime just basically means an animated thing, a TV or, or film or whatever. Oh, okay. I, I Ma- thought manga is comics mm-hmm. uh, and anime is motion animation. Okay. Well, and it's, it's an impressive movie too, because they create this whole myth basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very much like a, like a fairy tale in a way. Um, just just completely created by Miyazaki. Well, what's what's fascinating is that's what that was the impression I had when I watched it when it came out, like or around the time it came out. I was like, wow, how what a creative mind that came up with this story. And then when I rewatched it recently, I was like, I want to know more about this and I was reading even just like skimming the the Wikipedia entry, I I got immediately very deep into a lot of cultural references and commentary on things and like locate like specific locations in Japan and specific sort of feudal uh, era and tribal era like things the um, reference points like the, the the sort of tribe or group clan that the um, that the protagonist the male character the the warrior guy mm-hmm. that he comes from is based on uh, on a a documented sort of northern hairier bearded tribe of people that were kind of wild, you know, and and less cultivated, but uh but that were like people of the forest or people of like the wildlands or whatever. And I'm probably getting some of that wrong. It doesn't matter. The point is that a lot of the references do relate to specific things that were either historical or at least part of uh like a, a very um established myth or whatever and uh and 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 even like the 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 animal gods and um the kind of that that commentary on the tr- like the changeover from olden times to modern times was like a really strong yeah. theme in the movie mm-hmm. well and yeah i think if you watch uh japanese cinema at all especially like um a lot of kurosawa or even like old samurai movies you know the the feudal period in japan is like huge in yep. their mm-hmm. in their consciousness and this sure. is definitely uh, an identity that. Yeah, yeah i think yeah, it's yeah. i mean it has this, it has a similar um relationship to how we think of fairy tales and like the medieval time like we always like kind of 
Um, not always, but I feel like most people think about fairy tales and they think, okay, well, fairy tales take place in a certain time. Right. And it's like modern, but it's, you know, it's a simplified far version enough. of exactly, life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's, it's like easy more to boil natural it down. and, yeah. Well, and they're also like, they're often morality tales. And this feels like a morality tale because it's like in the trappings of an older yeah. time when things were simpler and you can like tell things in a more simplified way. Absolutely. Because you're not dealing with like the modern culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a morality tale though, where um, it's not totally black and white either because yeah. no. you're like, you're like, wait, is this the bad guy? Mm-hmm. Are these bad guys? And <laughs> well, then nobody has... really gets their comeuppance and, and they all just kind of learn to uh, go with it, go with each other at the end, you know? Well, that's exactly like, I was confused when I got to the end because I, I mean, one would think that um, Ashitaka should just join forces with Mononoke and they protect the forest and the yeah. forest is the good guy and everything. Yeah. But that's actually not what happens at the end at all. Like, right, it's much at more the end, nuanced. Uh, yeah, and at the end, Ashitaka goes to just like live with the people in the Iron City and help them rebuild their city, even though they were the mm-hmm. ones that were destroying the forest in the first place. And so I was kind of confused about how that made sense. And... Well, how that anyway? No. Well, it seemed like it seemed super Japanese in the way that like his character, right? So like Mononoke was the most zealot kind of like strong belief, and his character was more like I'm rooted in this tradition and my my his values in what's right above what I want were the things mm-hmm. that that both forced him out of his own society because he had to become. You know, like he, his uh, injury made him like, uh, okay, well, I have to do what's right. I'm going to leave. I'm going to journey on and become a, a like a traveler, and basically sacrificing his own individuality or his own individual yeah, desires for the, for the greater the good. But like, but in a way that wasn't um, picking sides. Like he just wanted to serve everyone in the best way, the most pure way, and he had this superpower that allowed him to do it, which yeah. felt. Both Western and Japanese, because you that that sense of like a superhero or a super powered individual is seemed to me like really Western, but then influenced by this really Japanese like mindset mm-hmm. instead of rules and obligation. Well, because his superpower is also uh, tied into that to moral ambiguity. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, he got it from a demon. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and it mm-hmm. caused him to he couldn't control his arm. His arm was infected by this demon. He was just shooting arrows and decapitating people without necessarily meaning to and shit. Right. Right. And it the iron town was everything. bad in that they were uh, destroying all of nature, but they were good in that she was uh, saving all those lepers and, and saving and the, the prostitutes. prostitutes from bad lives. Yeah. So it's, yeah, right. I guess you're right. Like every part, like you, who you think is a villain, you're like, well, there's another side to it. And who you think is a hero, you know, oh, well, there's more complexity there. Well, so it really meant to like kind of break down a lot of the uh, fairy tale type of tropes, I think. The guy who was, I think he, the voice was Billy Bob Thornton, the guy yes. that was like chubby Gico. with a, yeah. So he was totally exactly like that too. Like he, was nice and he helped and he, but he also like wanted to take the forest god's head and yeah, he was the, the monk character. Yeah, because yeah. I I didn't watch the English version, but I'm I'm interested that you guys did. Laura, are you doing dishes right now? No, I'm washing my hands. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> OCD. Are you doing? OCD. We can totally hear it. I love it. I'm love sorry. It. I, I better check to make sure great. the oven's off too. <laughs> Ten times. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you only wash them once, so I think you have to cup as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, Chico starts off where he's he helps him, and then he's 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 going after the head, but he's never doing it for himself. I guess he's doing it for the emperor, so he's not the the bad character. The emperor is the only bad character, and we never even see him. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about what was motivating the monk guy. But he is like the craftiest, like the most playing all sides against each other out for himself. Yeah, he just, he just wants to be rich. Like yeah, he's yeah, motivated yeah. by wealth. Um, right. Which is strange to a Western audience because he's supposed to be this religious monk character. And then he's the most self-interested, driven by money and gain and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what yeah, was not the... like the Pope at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I realized he was a monk. I don't know what I thought he was. I thought he was just some guy. Okay. So I didn't put it together. I'm not... Um, what was what was Ashitaka's original motivation for leaving home? Like, was he supposed to find out like what the darkness was that was gonna come what, that had come and attack their village? Yes, the or demon, was he? The he was gonna get that, a cure. Yeah, yeah. The demon that uh, attacked him and was gonna attack his village that he killed um, had been shot by um, the woman. It turned out um, mm-hmm. in the Iron Village, and right. so he was supposed to go find uh, her and kind of get vengeance to put the demon's soul to rest. Oh, which, that's right. Which but, he did not end up doing. Well, I think he, he saw did that because wouldn't work. they He'd took to the arm. Everybody. They took her arm at yeah. the end, and I yeah. think that that did it, though. Right? I was also saying to Rick, like. I don't get how she could have survived after someone bit her arm off, after a wolf's head bit her arm off. I felt like in that time period, like you would just die, right? Maybe, but well, it was he got shot and he survived. So I don't, I don't think it's really a good movie to nitpick metaphors. <laughs> okay, fine. Touche. <laughs> yeah, it was bitten off by a god, so maybe it like just. Cauterized the self-cauterized, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like how when when she shoots the guy the god's head off and he says, "Well, he's not." It didn't work. She's like, "Well, you can't. It's not that easy to kill a god." So I just like yeah. that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So John, did you watch the English translated version or did you watch one with subtitles? No, I watched I watched the English translated. Even even in the theater, I saw the English. Mm-hmm. Tran- the only because I didn't Netflix didn't have a subtitle version, so I don't know how. I don't, no, they. The only one I saw at the uh, Pacific Film Archive out here, I don't know if you guys have gone to that. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 sometimes do Studio Ghibli, um, mm. you know, playlist. That's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Um, like a series or whatever. Series, yeah. And I saw Howl's Moving Castle there uh, in the original Japanese with subtitles, mm-hmm. but I've never seen any other one that wasn't dubbed. Yeah, that's funny. I feel like I saw um, – well, I watched this one, I think, originally – when I watched it the first time, it was in Japanese, and I watched it this this time again. I got the DVD from Netflix, also in Japanese, and I feel like that was on purpose because I knew about the, the you know the the big American like movie star cast or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be distracted by that. Um, yeah. And then I had seen Howl and um, uh, what's the one? Uh, the other away? one. Spirited Away. I saw both of those in the theater, and I feel like I saw them in Japanese. But that was in New York, so maybe that it could has something have been, to do yeah. with it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So I haven't seen any of his movies in English, um, and maybe that's something that uh, influences how I feel about it. La-di-da. Well, no, I don't mean like <laughs> I'm so cool, but like it feels more exotic and feels more like uh, elevated or something. No, I know. Not, like, 
I know what you mean, and you're not because uh, I really enjoyed the the howls in Japanese howls moving castle in Japanese, and because you're not also not distracted by like oh who is that voice? Yeah. Oh, I know that that voice. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I just I just did before we got on here. I watched um, the trailer to Mononoke in with the English stars and promoting it in, to an American audience, and um, I, it was interesting. It was like wow, yeah, that would really change the way you kind of watch the movie, at least uh, in a, in the way you take it in not the plot so i don't know yeah but the the funny I, thing i noticed about watching it with the with the english actors or the american actors is that they read their lines in a very japanese way so it's like very speed racery but you have to yeah. fit that the problem there is that they have to fit the dialogue to the, the animated lips. yeah the yeah. pacing which is like the real speed racer th- phenomenon where where nothing it wasn't intended to be you know, mm-hmm. to fit an English language translation, they they take so much care to uh, to match the, the 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 mouth movements and the lips and everything to the Japanese language. So it's really a challenge to like do that voiceover translation. Yeah, and I would imagine. Feel natural. I seem to remember at the time when these came out, there was complaints about the the fact that they're using these big names and Weinstein or one of. I don't know. One of those guys was just like, well, if I don't do this, nobody sees the movie. So that's mm-hmm. why I do it. Sure. Yeah, huh. That makes sense. Yeah. Be, I mean, it, it is going to be a niche market if you do it in Japanese with subtitles, even though it's animated. Right. Uh, I mean, it's already a niche market because it's adult animation. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not G rated. Yeah. But uh, this one also even more creative, I think, in, in some ways than uh, than Fantastic Planet. I think it's just way more sophisticated. It's a huge effort. I mean, the undertaking, uh, you know, in story and 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 art and the, everything about it is just like the peak level of what what people can do with an animated movie. Like it's yeah. it's really high high level. You know, it's effort. incredibly beautiful. Yeah, the anim- animation and design. Yeah. So, exactly. There's little. There's there's nature nature sprites. I don't even know what they co- were called. Oh my they god! Really cool I love looking. them. Yeah. I know. They were yeah. my favorites. Those they're cute little white butt guys. <laughs> yeah. The little guys. rotating head people. Yeah. Yeah, they were really great. Like they just there's so many passages where it takes time to kind of let you lull you into this magical world, and then but then it's not just that. It things are really rich and and you know i was lucky enough to get to visit japan once and uh just the area around tokyo like we stayed in tokyo and then we took a couple day trips out to the countryside around the city there and there is something really bizarre and magical and i mean we kind of have that here in northern california with like the beautiful forests and and nature that we have here but it seems very um uh I don't know. It's really strange. The forests and the trees and stuff seem very uh, surreal and strange, and um, I don't know. It, it, it mystical. It, yeah, it, it really, it really felt like they were locking into something and not exaggerating, but just capturing what is that is really there and kind of amplifying it a little bit. Yeah. Is it possible that that feeling is there because you saw the movies before you went there? You- um, that is true. That I did see the movies before I visited, but um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I would have s- had a different impression of uh, of the nature and the kind of beauty there 
if I hadn't already seen the movie. I just I did maybe draw some parallels, even though there was a lot of time between seeing the movie and making my trip there. Um, I don't know. I thought I think I thought about it more rewatching the movie than I had when I was visiting. Yeah, well, I, I think they're. They are kind of known for, I mean, like the bonsai gardens and stuff, just, mm-hmm. just you know, the kind of real reverence for nature. Um, I mean, except for whales, but. <laughs> yeah. They aren't really nature. <laughs> They're our enemies. They're plotting against us. Huge abominations. <laughs> They're, They're oafs. Oafs. Cool. Yeah, but th- this movie is uh well, I mean, I- I've liked all the Studio Ghibli stuff I've seen for the most part. Uh, I didn't like Ponyo so much. I don't, I don't like the kid. I don't like the ones that are more like juvenile. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, the only thing I liked about Ponyo was um that like when Ponyo like finally goes under the water and then there's that awesome glam rock like <laughs> I know guy that's about. like that's like running that submarine and it kind of was like. I don't know. That part was cool, but mostly because of that dude. Well, I did like, I liked my neighbor Totoro. Um, but that one also, there's, there's like a theory that it's about this, uh, murder suicide that took what? place in Japan. And, uh, and it's, it's okay. all about them. Be- you can find it online, this theory. Um, oh. and studio Ghibli denies it, but there's a lot of very strange parallels. So really? anyway, well, I, awesome. I, I didn't want to let the conversation uh, end without talking about a couple of my favorite just visual things about the movie because it is such a beautiful visual movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, one is the is the like the yak or ox or whatever yes. the, the 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 creature that um uh, so uh, pretty. What's his name? Ashitaka. The spirit of the forest. Yeah. No. So the the just the 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 creature that Ashitaka rides around. Rides around. Oh, yes. Yes. His, his method of transportation. Uh, yaki or something. Yeah. Something Does like sound that. Sound right. Yeah, cool. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. That's it. Anyway, that is a great like um, a, a, a an animal. I love the way that the animals are are animated and given personality in a very natural way, as opposed to um, you know anthropomorphizing them and allowing. I mean, some of the animals talk, but God, I mean the the wolves, how they talk, but they're smiling, but they're like they're obviously their intention is anger. Because that's how actual animals like move their faces and mouths, and mm-hmm. the, and the contradiction that it creates. Like when you're used to seeing an a, an animated movie, maybe as especially as a Western audience with Disney and stuff, you expect the facial expressions and and mannerisms to be like, oh, they're human, human. yeah. But no, like the, the the wolves are like smiling, but this like evil grimacing smile because they're furious and they're expressing. An actual an emotion that's important to the plot, but through the way an animal would actually, you know, respond. Yeah, that stuff was really, really wonderful. Yeah, same uh, with the boars. I think. Yes. Yeah, you get yeah the boars were amazing. I love the way that the, the the natural world was represented, and that the the ox, the yakul, you know, whatever that thing is, uh, it was. Um, it just had so much dignity. I think and he was the red elk. What, yes. Okay. So you, but you care what happens to it, and you're very sympathetic. But it's also it's not talking. It doesn't have a magical reality to it. It might be, you know, a little bit heightened, but it's um, it's it's treated as a real animal, which I loved. 
um, and then, but then, then the, the the sort of opposite side is the is the spirit of the forest, like the elk, uh, mm-hmm. deer, whatever. Yes. The scenes where you see it first start to appear and like kind of come into the frame. You're seeing it from far away with like simulated telephoto lens. Like that stuff is really, really powerful to me, anyway, in my imagination. I loved those scenes. Yeah. The one scene I didn't get was with him where. He cures the the main guy and mm-hmm. he kills the plant at the same time. Was he like taking the life force from that plant to cure him? Hmm. Maybe. I think that the, they just wanted to emphasize. I mean, I actually really love that and watched that part a couple times when even when he was just walking on the islands and yeah. he walks up and then every time he takes a step, all yeah. those plants grow and then immediately yeah. die. I think that they were just really trying to emphasize his power powers that like he had a big deal (laughs) well also but just that he he had the power to give life and to take it away there were two sides there were two sides of that coin it wasn't just that he was this like one dimensional benevolent forest beast or whatever it was that which they even illustrated he's got the the daytime version and the nighttime version Uh yeah Yeah, exactly yeah the night day to to evening (laughs) the headed headed version the beheaded version (laughs) Well, his face, his face freaked me out the first time I saw it because it oh, totally I loved it, yeah. expected a, a, you know, just a stag a face. face. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it said it was like some primitive African mask face kind of thing. Yeah. It was really surprising. Totally. I, but I it like, was really I cool. Like that. Yeah. 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 Yes, Sorry, yes. Neil. Uh, please go on. No, no. That I mean, that was really the, 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 the main gist of what I wanted to say was like, there's a, there's a ton of beautiful moments or visuals or sequences but i i loved how they handled in in a surprising way the the animals even though they have human characteristics like they can talk or they're self-aware mm-hmm. they still behave in a way that's maybe true to to the way nature works which is often like i think what our our movies in 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 america or in the west like try to like totally use nature as a um, a substitute for human culture, and uh, this movie has no, no interest in that, which I liked a lot. Yeah, Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I agree. I think. I mean, just from the very beginning, visually, it starts off with that uh, that demon boar running through, and like the weird yes. the weird worm demon yeah. virus that's flowing all around Love it. That. And I mean, that's a great example of the technical part of this movie where they're using computer-generated animation in a very subtle or seamless way with, mm-hmm. with you know, looks, hand-animated stuff. Yeah, to, very naturalistic. To, but just to, sub, you know, to, to achieve something specific that serves the story and, and creates a, a, you know, a, a visual impression, but it's, the way it's handled is so sophisticated. It's not, um, it's not calling too much attention to itself yeah. or being it's really not heavy-handed. gross. No. Yeah, totally. But you still watch it and go, oh, holy shit. Yes, it's surprising. It does what it's meant to do, which is like, Jesus, that doesn't look natural. That's weird. It's creepy. And mm-hmm. I, I just really, yeah, it's so well done in that way. Very cool. I also really like, um, this is kind of goes in a different direction, but in the, the battle scene at the end when the humans put on the boar skins and oh, they're running oh, and they're like so crawling creepy. around, that was so cool and creepy because it was yeah. like they looked like the boars, but they moved like sad. kind of differently. Yeah, yeah. that was oh. really interesting. Yeah, that was fascinating. Yeah, I love how the all the different sides of human 
intention that they show, like both noble and like the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying to hide anything or, or sort of gloss over anything, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I agree. Pat, did you, uh, so will you, are you interested in watching more Studio Ghibli stuff now? Yeah. Or yeah, Miyazaki at least? Yeah, I, I definitely need to see Spirited Away for sure and, and yeah, all the other stuff. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. Spirited Away was the one that everyone always told me to watch. And, yeah. But this was really good, so I, I'm looking forward to, to others. Cool, cool. cool. Well, cool. Um, and I, I was thinking as far as – they, they are kind of similar, but it's like the Fantastic Planet and Mononoke. But I would not I, – I don't think I would have thought of it, so it's it's neat that you did. It's uh, – and it's I think it's the one viewpoint is – with the uh, Fantastic Planet, yeah, I keep wanting to say Forbidden Planet. Thing. Yeah, I know. It's just so much more like, you know, slips off the tongue so much it, easier. It took me a long time to remember what that movie was called. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's like creatures versus creatures. And this is like creatures versus an environment. And I'm just wondering if that's like a difference in just the whole world viewpoint of, but I guess in the seventies environment was a big deal too, but that was written in the fifties, but who knows? It's just something I was thinking about as I watched this movie in in terms of time. Yeah. What people were thinking of. It's interesting. Fantastic planet doesn't seem to be so concerned with the environment as like there's humans and then there's the environment like nature is more like, um, trying to describe a tension between humans or whoever, you know, the, the, the creatures that we identify with and and other life but the but it, there's a definite like distinction between the alms the trogs and then like every other <laughs> weird creature that is yeah. consequential yeah exactly you know? yeah. so it, they, the other creatures could be destroyed and nobody would care yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're not they're definitely not like, you know, gaining knowledge and becoming literate and then right. like learning how to bring down the trogs. Yeah. But I in think. in Mononoke everything is connected. It's connected yeah. in in Fantastic Planet I felt like uh nature was almost seen as almost entirely malevolent. Yeah, a very harsh kind of reality where everybody's out to just like kill or eat or whatever but which can you know, be mastered only through education and meditation but i think that the thing that's different about fantastic planet is that they're they're starting from absolute scratch by saying like okay this is a different alien world with a complete different set of inscrutable like you values. know background and values and all this stuff whereas mononoke is super rooted in a cultural history yeah it has a lot of baggage and so they're starting from there and then they're telling a, a story with these characters yeah, I I agree with that. So basically, the main character is punished for for killing that boar, and he has to leave. That's kind of sad. Well, yeah, yeah. I, is he though? He I sacrifices mean, a lot, but he yeah. also has the he gains a lot sa- the satisfaction yeah. of being like right all the time, <laughs> 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 and has a superpower, but that also will kill him. <laughs> yeah. Like most superpowers. <laughs> the good ones, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a really sympathetic character, even though what he does is sometimes surprising. But so is, every, like, most of the other characters, too. Like, they're all... I wonder... I would really be interested to know how I perceive the story compared to someone who knows a lot more or is, you know, part of the culture and and has a different, maybe, expectation about some of these things. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I mean... Sympathetic characters in Princess Mononoke, I, I felt like everybody was somewhat sympathetic. Like it, there was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, there were two two sides or more, and more complexity to everything, every right. part. Well, uh, I recommend both of these films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think good. they're worth definitely both worth watching. I mean, Princess Mononoke is definitely like more um, friendly for a, just like a sit down and watch, like on a Saturday night or whenever, you know. And I feel like it's a it it represents a real sort of a pinnacle of the form like it's like a really like if you like animated movies and you like you know well-crafted stories you should mm-hmm. really know about this movie and see it as and you know fantastic planet is fascinating and interesting and kind of like a artifact of its time but i don't know that it's like a pinnacle of any no i agree it's more thing. an oddity or, or yeah. like you said a, a time warp well, on the other <laughs> hand it takes you it barely takes you an hour to get through it yeah, it's a little over an hour, right? Yeah, and yeah, Mononoke is a bit longer, but it it doesn't feel like no, you're not getting, you're not watching your your watch. Nah, yeah, if people still war watches. <laughs> you're not looking at your phone, right? Although, if you do watch it, uh, I don't know, maybe in English or Japanese, it does have slow meditative passages in Mononoke that I, you know, as much as I love the movie, I've fallen asleep watching it without meaning to. You know, it, it's it lulls you in at certain points. It sounds to me like maybe you guys just don't get enough sleep. In that could be. That <laughs> That's <could> be. <laughs> absolutely the case. <laughs> it's not a Michael Bay movie. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, oh, God. God. That would make me fall asleep even faster. I'd be like, this is not for me. Does he still make down. movies? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Is he I, the one that's doing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie? Yep. Or is that Michael Bay? Yes, he Bay? is. I okay. <laughs> Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> Does that bring us to our recommendations? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, all right, we'll start with you, uh, Neil. What have you got? Well, um, I gave it a little thought this time instead of uh, last time where I was caught off guard. Uh, I had finished uh, Cavalier and Clay, uh, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Shaban or Shaban or whatever, however you say it. Do you guys know how to say his name? No. I always say Shabon, but I don't know if it's right. I feel like I've heard people say Shabon, so I say yeah, Shabon. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I say. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I finished Cavalier and Clay, and I just I, I, I really do want to strongly recommend that book. It's the best. It's so good. Um, uh, I it really won't get into like why the how the plot works and how everything works. It's just such a great book, and um, it's a commitment. It's a long book, uh, but. When I first started reading it, I was like, I'm not sure how to how I could get absorbed into this world uh, because it sort of, sort of starts off in this strange pre-war Czechoslovakian, like um, the world of Prague and like Houdini-style magic. And then it just goes from there into this beautiful, like classic New York slash comic book the genesis of like superhero comics in in New York City and like in the days before World War II, and uh, and just like tells all these wonderful little uh, stories and and weaves it all together in an amazing way. Awesome. Yeah, super good. So that's that's one, and then the other would be uh, Kroll Show. I've just been watching Kroll Show, really? lot, and it's really good. <laughs> it's funny. it's super crazy, super super crazy, and. Um, uh, but of all the things that I've been watching on TV lately, I started to like get a little bored of some of my standby shows, and that one really makes me laugh. The, uh, it's now in its second season uh, and, and, and streams on, I want to say, 
Netflix, but it's probably Hulu. One of Hulu or Netflix, Hulu, one of the two. Hulu has it, I think, because they have a lot of the Comedy Central stuff on. Yeah, okay. I think Hulu and Amazon streaming have okay. it too. Um, I've only watched the first episode, but I will say, Pat, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but on the first episode they did a Degrassi junior high takeoff. Yes, that, that was the <laughs> that, that was nails in the it season. so hard. It's oh it's my great. god, so so good. Like the range of like what they will like deep dive into on that show and like just totally absorb themselves into like Degrassi or some weird Southern Californian thing, like, or whatever it is. It's, it's really, really funny. And I like how they also like will pull back and just show like candid interviews with the actors or people who are in the sketches talking about the sketches at certain points to kind of like lift the curtain a little bit. It really is fun. And, and uh, it's, yeah, the second season better than the first. Go cool. I love Nick Kroll. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura? I well I I am going to go back and watch the Kroll show again because I've watched it before but then there were certain ep- there were certain like things that he did that just like made me shiver a little bit like yeah. certain just like voice <laughs> like when he does certain impersonations I'm just like I can't handle it but <laughs> I will check I will check it out again. Um that made me remember and I don't know if I talked about this last time but I've been watching Broad City all the time. Oh yeah, that too. Totally. My god. I I'm really into Broad City. It's really funny. It's so funny. Um, it's like is that the Tina Fey or the Amy Poehler produced? Amy Poehler produced. Yeah. It. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it's Started kind of like web. it's hard to say. It's I hate saying stuff like this, but it's kind of like it's got a workaholics vibe, but it's two women in New York instead of like three guys working at a telemarketing firm. But it's got <laughs> that same kind of thing where like each episode, like some crazy antics unfold, and a lot of it has to do with like them just being like young Peter Panny screw ups, like living in the city together. Um, but it's really, really funny. Um, well, I've never watched uh, workaholics because it, it just seems like something I wouldn't like, but it seems uh, douchey as hell. Yeah. It seems super it's better douchey. than I've watched a couple episodes. Yeah, it's a lot better than like I it. thought it would be. Okay. Yeah. I like workaholics a lot. There are some episodes that are better than others. I feel like I really liked the first and last season. And then the second season just kind of what I was like, cause okay. it, I don't know. It was just kind of in the middle, but I think it's worth checking out a couple episodes anyway. Okay. Uh, um, one guy from it plays the Manny in modern family now. Oh yeah. Oh really? Yeah. And then, and then one guy was in the Mindy project also. Yeah. Yeah. I just like the dude's hair, the one dude. I don't know. I, don't know. I love it's not, that not guy's anything. my favorite. Yeah, the guy that's like more <laughs> passive and like curly headed. I love. He's my favorite. So Broad um, City. So Broad City, and then the other thing Broad is, City. I feel like I, Neil, I wanted to mention this to you because I'm sure that this is something that you've already known about for a long time. But um, this Charles Burns Black Hole. Oh hell yeah. I agree. So it's like a graphic novel. Oh, that... yes, the book. Totally. Yeah, that's so it, great. It, I just I got it... that and I haven't read it yet. Oh, so really? I'll that's have so another, funny. a better reason to read it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm really, it's, it just, I actually was recently in Austin and um, went to book people and was like looking for like the souvenir book that I wanted to get. And, um, and then I saw this black hole. Um, it's a graphic novel. It's all in black and white. And I guess it was released originally. Um, Fantagraphics did a series of, um, you know, smaller issues. Yeah, um, like trade paperbacks that were maybe like 32 or 64 pages long or something like that. Exactly. Like yeah. in the kind of late nineties and stuff. And then they released it, um, in like 2005 or something as one big compilation, um, beginning to end. And it's kind of, um, 
I guess the the basic overview is that it's um, these teenagers in the 70s um, that all go to this high school and there's slowly this kind of new like STD that's going around that's like turning people into mutants basically. Mm-hmm. But, but um, it's got this like awesome existential dread and like, like, like teenage love and unrequited love and stuff like that. And it's the way I'm describing it isn't doing it justice, but even just, yeah, it's visually super like intensely bizarre, but like, but the rendering style is also very stark and kind of plain. So it's not like, it's not like you're looking at something that's super um, stylized and a strange, like, like, what am I looking at? It's really like, clean and plain but what mm-hmm. the what what's happening is super super surreal and bizarre and yeah. i i have the same same exact feeling like it is it's so good and what i i remember reading some kind of critique because we read it as like a book club thing uh, oh, okay. a couple years ago and it, um charles burns was who wrote andrew the book was saying like uh that it, it it's kind of like a a uh, in in some way, like a metaphor for like how just weird and surreal it is to be like you know an early teenager. You're, you're you know like trying to figure out this weird experience of like becoming you know a yeah. kind of an adult and kind of sexual and kind of like experimenting with drugs or alcohol or whatever and like how and, like, weird life can get at that point in your life. Absolutely, and that's exactly. I mean, I picked up on that right away, and just kind of like when you start to it's all like there are these dream sequences that are illustrated and like death is really close. And then there's this feeling of like these, these misfits, these like mutants Mm -hmm. that are misfits and stuff like that. So it all are these like very clear kind of like childhood and teenage themes, but done, done in this kind of like spooky sci-fi way and it artful and it is sexy at the same time. Um, And it's, it just like, I immediately picked it up and it like hit, yeah. Like it's hit it's a, a note within me, and yeah, I was thanks. like, "This, this is something I need to own and look into further." I really like it. Yep, I, I back you both up on that. I, it's <laughs> been, it's been years since I read it, but it, I, I really loved it. So. Yeah, and I, I, I'd say Fantagraph or Fan Graphics, whatever, however you say it, is an awesome company. Yeah, they do mm-hmm. all kinds of awesome, really neat compilations of, from comic strips to stuff like that. It's a really cool company. Anagraphics does some of the best illustrated uh, books and graphic novel stuff uh, out there. They're an amazing publishing company. Uh, but for the record, Pantheon put out the the collected edition. If you're oh, did somebody they? who cares about that, yeah. Yes. Oh, they sure did. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy um, making mistakes on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's possible that Fanographics did the individual issues that built up to the. Yeah, they sure um, did because I yeah. looked it up. <laughs> I just wasn't very thorough with looking at it, like turning my book 90 degrees <laughs> and looking at the actual spine. That's of it. a lot of effort. It is. I'm real, it's, might as well just tired. go to Wikipedia. Black, yeah. Black Hole is super cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to keep up the uh, Comedy Central thing. I'm going to recommend At Midnight. Um, I don't think it's like mm. the greatest thing ever, but it's nice popcorn watching. Like I can watch four yes. or five episodes in a row. Um, Chris Hardwick's a little too much all over the place. Um, yeah. He's a little like that he's anyway. Much in general. I think so too. But not the worst. Like he's fine. But yeah, he can he's fine. I, I can, yeah, I can 
take him and but but he usually has good comics on and comics i yeah. like and uh it's they're obviously not making all this up off the top of their heads um they've had some preparation but it's still funny um and it, you know it's a fake game show that uh that i just like watching because it, for the same reason i like listening to comedy bang bang um mm-hmm. even though it's it's spotty when when they have good people on it's really yeah funny. it's all about the so. guests and putting together the right people i've watched a few episodes i also really liked it and it's also really short and sweet right it's just like a half an hour a half it? hour and, and yeah you're out and they have, yeah they'll have three comedians on and uh and chris hardwick is is Fine. He's a good moderator. He's yeah, a he's good moderator. He's, he's, <laughs> he's he's confident enough to like keep it keep it pithy and keep it moving and let and, the guests shine more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I and I'll, another funny note about that is that one of my favorite comedy podcasts for years and years, uh, Jordan Jesse Go mm-hmm. uh, on the Maximum Fun Network. Jordan Morris uh, now writes for At Midnight. He was he's been like kind of looking for work and oh, just nice. recently announced that he was like, oh, now I'm a writer for At Midnight. So that's yeah, a that's fun so good for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah anyway, well, and good that's, show. I think that's my only. Well, I also uh, I think this was also on Comedy Central. I was watching on Amazon Prime. Uh, Drunk History is also pretty funny. Oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just the smart. It's so smart, and yeah. I'm I'm proud of them for taking something and like keeping it going because yeah. you really can. I mean, it is educational and it's also funny. Boy, is that ever like, the best example of like highbrow and lowbrow? Like, yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth watching that streaming as well. So you can, you can find that. Yeah. Uh, Pat. I'll go back to Neil and, uh, adventures, Cavalier and clay and recommend a book. I just read called the golem and the genie, which hmm. is this really fun book about a, a, a turn of the century, or 1900s New York City, where a, for various reasons a genie shows up there and a golem, and their <laughs> paths cross. And it's a it's a fun story that kind of takes the Jewish community and the Syrian community of that time and does an excellent. So the Jewish of, community and the Syrian community is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, and got it. Does an excellent depiction of what things were like then and interesting characters and the relationship between the golem and the, the, the genie is really real. It feels real as, you know, as real as a, a mythical creatures meeting each other can be, but it's very well written and fun. So, yeah. There's cool. a, there's a golem character or yeah, there's a golem in Cavalier and clay yeah. as a plot yeah. point. Um, and is this a novel? Yes. Okay. Got it. And it's called again, the golem and the genie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty self-explanatory. Dale. Sorry, I'm a little slow on the pickup. And who are the main characters? And the characters again, one more time. <laughs> it's actually a snowman and an elf. <laughs> I don't it's know a, why. The, it's a double-layered allegory. It's really yeah. complex. Yeah. If you were smart, you'd get it. <laughs> oh, I have one more. Can I? Can yes, I say please. one other thing? It, it's much more of a new, a targeted audience, but um, we. Uh, uh, so at work, uh, I'm you know I'm a graphic designer, uh, and the uh, our department went to a uh, a design conference in, here in San Francisco over the last two days, and um, uh, you know these things I don't know I I'm pretty skeptical of uh, how they you know the value in them, and we saw some good speakers and some bad speakers, but but boy howdy 
uh, Aaron Draplin from the Draplin oh, Design yes. Company gave yes, his yes, talk, yes. and I've been aware of him uh, for a while and, and a fan of his. But but Jesus Christ, on a pogo stick, his talk was the best thing I've seen in a long time. Aaron yeah, Draplin. Aaron Draplin. Uh, if you look him up, just Google Aaron Draplin or. Um, Draplin Design Company. They're related to Field Notes. Well, they make Field Notes. So yeah. if you've heard of the Field oh, Notes field brand notes awesome. notebooks, yeah. So they, Draplin uh, and his company make Field Notes, uh, mm-hmm. among other things. Um, and he he gives he's he's just a touring speaker at this point, along with you know his design work, and uh, he's just going all over the country and all internationally and giving this talk, and it's. Um, it's really good. So if you if you're out there and you have any interest in that uh, and you can see it, see it. It's great. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm jealous. I was lucky to get a chance. But I you mean, had to sit some through some awful ones to get there. So. Yeah, there were some pretty bad ones, but the, you know, what conferences are like. Yeah, I mean, anything like that, you you are going to have like if you go <laughs> see five things, then like one of them is going to be great, hopefully, yeah. and then the other five, would, four are going to be. So bring was, your phone. I, well, yeah, I, I was lucky that I I didn't have too many bad ones to sit through. There were there were two or three stinkers, and then the rest were pretty good. Uh, you know, so whatever. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess we're done. So uh, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail dot com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. And uh, yeah, write to us if you uh, want to be on the show. We always like having guests. Um, yeah, and uh, write to them if you want to um, hear more about why Patrick and John aren't doing it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the Pat John fanfic <laughs> hasn't started up yet. Yeah, I, I don't know why not. So if oh, you're some actually, kind of, uh, the, the same person who wrote about you two has been begging for years for us to get together. So yeah. Amy really just wants everyone. Will to they or won't they? <laughs> so basically, it's all just coming from what one half-wit dingling. <laughs> but more like when they. Or no. Sure. What they? <laughs> How will they? <laughs> huh? Bye. All right. So <laughs> until next time, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. And uh, yeah, you you will. I know you'll come back. So I'm not even gonna say you have to come back because I know Fine. you will. We'll so uh, until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.